0: Hey guys, thanks for coming back to Aliens, UFOs, and Ghost Stories, a podcast dedicated to seekers. You are more than your body. You are a spirit, temporarily experiencing this physical reality. Would you like to have this life-changing realization through first-hand experience? Would you like to learn how to lucid dream and take full control over your dreams and manifest any experience that you desire? or learn astral projection to have out-of-body experiences in higher dimensions and attain profound spiritual knowledge and insight? Would you like to read about real encounters with aliens, shadow people, ghosts, angels, deities, the higher self, and other spiritual beings? If so, head over to Amazon.com and pick up the book Astral Projection and Lucid Dreaming Spiritual Revelations and Out-of-Body Experiences in Higher Dimensions by author Vincent Fields discover who you truly are. So beings
1: exist throughout all galaxies. it doesn't make any difference. you are all of our... them. And when they come into being that's you come into being. You know that very well.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Aliens, UFOs, and Ghost Stories. My name is Jake, and today I'm joined by my new friend, Wendy Rose Williams. Wendy is a past life energy healer, certified spiritual teacher, Reiki master, author, and speaker. Wendy, would you like to say hi?
2: Well, hello, everyone. So glad to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I, um, I've um i been interested in... Um, near death experiences uh for some time now and I was really hoping to get you on just so we can kind of uh explain exactly what that is to our newer listeners. I know that uh we have a great audience who's really interested in aliens and ghosts and uh stuff like that but for maybe for the nuts and bolts listeners who um might not understand some of the spiritual side of this whole thing and um It's hard to explain. Um, When I became obsessed with um, aliens and UFOs and and trying to find answers, to be perfectly honest, uh, as much as I enjoyed it, sometimes it was kind of draining and it was, uh, you know, you'd read certain things that were kind of depressing, to be honest, but a way that I would kind of cleanse my palate, as silly as that may sound, uh, would be watching... Um, near-death experiences uh, videos and accounts and stories because a lot of the times they're incredibly uplifting and uh and really beautiful um yes would you be comfortable um well I guess first things first could you just kind of explain what an NDE NDE is to someone who might not have ever heard of it
2: certainly and I I think Jake, you're, you're touching on the point that the paranormal, it's just such a large topic. And we've just got to be really grounded and clear in our energy, um, in, in my experience, as we become spiritual seekers. I think that's what I'm what I'm hearing you uh, really communicate. So an NDE, a near-death experience, is something that can happen to people where there is a very abrupt health crisis that comes up. And I believe the purpose of those is to help us get on our life path. And uh, yes, certainly they can also be unplanned. I think there's there's both types. I think our souls incarnate many times. I believe our souls are eternal. And that they might plan that we might need this. It's it's kind of like hitting the the cancel, clear, delete buttons on, on the keyboard, and it's just like a major reboot. It's a major reset um, of of your life.
0: Yeah, it, it seems that oftentimes uh, after somebody does experience one, um, they typically become more spiritual. A lot of times, way happier um, and more often than not, they they don't really have a fear of death anymore. And that's always been very interesting to me. Um, Would you care to share your account?
2: Absolutely. I'd be happy to. What happened was it was the summer of 1997 and I was newly pregnant, uh, very excited to be uh, pregnant. My husband and I had um, struggled through infertility Uh, For many years, I'd had two ectopic pregnancies, so we'd also lost two babies, and we had an 18-month-old toddler. So we were really over the moon. Uh, I was only 10 weeks pregnant, so I'd just been to the doctor one time. Everything looked great according to uh, Western medicine and the OBGYN, but two things seemed odd to me. I was just having extreme heartburn, which didn't make sense to me with just such a new, new pregnancy. And I'd called the physician's office about it several times and they reassured me, well, every pregnancy can be different. It's safe to take my Lanta, you can do that. And certainly you know, call us if there's anything more and otherwise we'll just see at your next visit. The other thing that was happening, Jake, was I kept having this vivid dream almost every night and it was the same dream and i didn't understand the concept of precognitive dreams i didn't know that our subconscious our soul our guides could be trying to warn us about something and what would happen in the dream was i would see this violent storm um, out at sea i would see a ship and there was all this ripping and tearing like all the cleats would pull off The mass would break off and the ship would always break in two and just go down. Well, this doesn't take a brilliant dream interpreter, but I knew very little about dream analysis. Wendy, your ship's about to go down. It's like about as direct a dream as you can get. So what happened was I was working at home and my husband's at work. He's got one car. Our nanny's at the park with our daughter, with our toddler. She's got the other car. And I just can't get comfortable. Uh, something just doesn't feel right. So I try and focus, and then it's like, ah, oh, I have to go lay down. I don't feel right. I'd go in the bathroom. I was just so restless and thinking, am I going to be sick? You know what, what's going on here? So I finally ran into the bathroom because it's like I don't understand. I feel this sense of impending doom which I have never felt before or since. And I was not familiar with the NDE accounts and studies. And a lot of people mention that same feeling of impending doom. And as I went into the bathroom, I suddenly felt this searing pain in my abdomen. And I looked down in puzzlement because I, I thought someone had stuck a knife in me. It, it just was so painful. And I felt like an organ burst. And at that point, I passed out on the bathroom floor. And I believe I only came to because there was this insistent male voice that just kept saying, Wendy, Wendy, you've got to wake up or you're going to go home. And I knew exactly what he meant, that I was going to die if I didn't get medical assistance. So I open my eyes, I'm disoriented, I'm laying on my side on the bathroom floor and Jake there I got the surprise of my life because as I open my eyes and look around the bathroom it is just filled with angels and there's they're huge they're like seven, eight, nine feet tall. They're just floating off the floor. Their feet are not on the ground. There's four or five of them. And my brain is trying to take this in. I'm like, oh my gosh, angels are real. It's just, it's indisputable once you've had an experience like that. And I was a a casual Christian at the time. I'd always hoped and And, you know, tried to believe in angels, but they were more theoretical. They were more like, you know, something of stories of old in the Bible. They were more of like these, you know, beautiful figures in art and Christmas cards. But all of a sudden they're in my bathroom talking to me. And my reply to the angel, and I later learned his identity. My reply to him was, I understand, but I I can't walk. And his answer was very, very important. What he said to me was, you just have to be willing to try. And I think that was because of our free will. Because we're able to ask our higher selves, meaning our own eternal soul, to help us. We're able to ask guides and guardian angels to help us. But if we don't ask for help, we can also stumble along through life uh, very solo and probably having a pretty rough time. So when he said that to me and and repeated, you know, you've got to call for help now or you're going to go home, uh, I, I tried to get up on my hands and knees and I was able to do that. And the moment I did that, even though I couldn't stand up or pull myself up, it was like being gently lifted and just moved, like being flown to the landline phone because this was 1997. I did not yet have a a cell phone, you know, glued to my hand or my back pocket like we most of us do nowadays. So I had to get to a landline. So I'm there in the bedroom and I'm like reaching up. I'm still on the floor and I'm trying to reach up to get the landline. And I did think for a second, well, who do I call? He, He, the angel just said to call for help. And this would have been the perfect time to call 911, but I'd never called it. And it just it just didn't enter my it didn't enter my mind because the angel simply said call for help. I call my husband at work uh, because he works five minutes from home and miracles continue because I reached him on the phone at work right away the first time. And I give him a lot of credit because all I said was I need you to come home right now and drive me to the hospital. Can you do that? And he said, on my way, and threw the phone down. So I give him a lot of credit for that. If he hadn't done that, I think I would have called 911 at that point. So my husband's on his way. I just have time to call the physician's office. I explained to them this searing pain that I felt like an organ had burst and answered their question, no Uh, You know, I'm not I'm not losing any blood. I can see my abdomen distending. Is the only other thing I can tell you. And I am in excruciating pain. So they're like, Great, your husband can get you here to the here to our office. And their office was right at the hospital. And I think that was also critical and very fortunate for me and what occurred. So they let me know when you get here. um, Do not park the car. Don't go in the garage. We're going to meet you curbside with a with a wheelchair. We don't want you walking. So that's exactly what happened. They whisk me up to the doctor's office straight into an ultrasound room. And they then can't visualize anything on the ultrasound, which seemed very odd to me. I actually asked the ultrasonographer, is that machine on? Is that working? Because all I'm seeing is black. I can't you know, see any visualization. I can't see any organs. I don't understand what's wrong with the ultrasound. And she, at that point, I can see her kind of take a breath and put her game face on. And she just touched me on the shoulder and said, I'm just going to get the doctor now. So I'm looking at my husband like, this isn't good. I don't know what's going on. This isn't good. So she returns immediately with not only the physician, but with a certified nurse midwife. So we've now got five of us crammed in this tiny uh, ultrasound room. The doctor uh, tries to adjust the uh, machine also, and he figures out. He, he knows what's going on and lets me know, Wendy, you've got an extreme um, uh, blood loss going on at this point somewhere in your abdomen. That's why we can't see anything on the ultras. That's all blood. Uh, so that's why we can't get a visual of any organs. We need to admit you to the hospital right now. So I'm moved by stretcher from the doc. Someone must have run over to the hospital side and got a stretcher and they ran me over to the hospital and transferred me into an inpatient bed. So this is all moving really, really fast, um, how this is all, all occurring. And I'm now in the bed and they're calling for um, blood. They're calling the blood bank to get transfusions started. And they asked me my blood type and Um, Fortunately, I knew that said it's a negative. I think everyone should know their blood type. It's really important. And there's now these free wonderful apps called in case of emergency that you can download for free and put on your phone and just put some basics in there. And if you're ever in a situation where you're in a car accident or you can't speak, you have a health emergency, you're probably going to have your phone and 911 can immediately, they don't have to know your password, they can get right into your phone through these apps and know your blood type, your um, allergies to medication and other sorts of things. I think that's really important for people to understand. So they're trying to get blood for me, um, but the nurse comes uh, back into the room quickly. She's been calling the central blood bank, Puget Sound Blood Bank, because we have a shared blood bank out in Seattle so that blood is not wasted because it's such a precious commodity. And she lets us know there's no A-negative blood available. And we're like, from the blood bank, there's not available? And she explained she had been told there had been a train accident, a major train collision a few days before, and that had used up all the A-negative blood. So this is not good, obviously. And we're going through this conversation, should I be going straight into surgery, but we don't have blood, we don't know what we're operating on. And so we decide to watch and wait, because I'm being very well cared for. I'm just trying to visualize, I'm like hoping, maybe this is the gallbladder, the appendix? I don't know. (laughs) What are the non-essential organs here? (laughs) And we're just hoping that this, you know, the body is a miracle and maybe it can just, um, you know, by lying prone, just resting, being monitored um, and waiting to uh, have blood transfused, maybe this can start to uh, turn itself around without surgery because I'm pregnant. Obviously, I don't want surgery. I don't want anesthesia um so that's that's what kicked off the events so questions there what can i help uh clarify jake
0: well first of all that that's terrible i'm so glad that uh you were able to get through that um and you must have been relatively young how old were you when this happened
2: i was 36 years old um when this happened this was 1997.
0: So 36, prime of your life, you know, starting a family in great health, man, that must have been absolutely terrifying. So did it end up being um, your appendix?
2: So what it turned out to be, um, I'll get there. I'll get there in a moment. It was a, it was a different, it was a different organ. It actually turned out to be my uterus, And it was something called the fundus, F-U-N-D-U-S, which is the aorta at the top of the uterus. That's what had actually ruptured. And that's why I was losing so much blood so quickly, because an aorta um, was just pumping out all this blood into my um, abdomen where it should not be. So we wouldn't learn that for a few more days. So blood did arrive. I start getting transfused. I'm still in just excruciating pain. I'm blowing through all the uh, Demerol and anything else they can give me. I'm on morphine again. Not happy, you know. Don't want to be <laughs> being transfused. Don't want to be on morphine because I'm, I'm first trimester of pregnancy. Uh, but there just there just was no choice. And I also I could feel myself walking between worlds because it was very hard to stay conscious. It was very hard to focus. And I was concerned because I didn't really care. And that really um, bothered me because that's not my personality at all. I've always been uh, just, you know, very motivated, a fighter, really wanna be here. Um, And I just was so thrilled to be pregnant and I just so cared. About my my family, so this this was this was very concerning to me. So we did wait and watch for about uh, three days. They're measuring my hematocrit um, blood supply every day, and on the third day, uh, my physician let me know, uh, "Wendy, you're officially bleeding out. We just cannot transfuse enough blood quickly enough. I mean, I could see how many bags they were going through. Um, we just can't we can't get blood in quickly enough. You're you're losing it." too, too fast. So we need to do surgery. So I agreed at that point. And I just, I felt so fortunate, Jake, because I was in a hospital that I knew really well. It was my community hospital. And I'd been through, as I said, two topic pregnancies. I'd already had surgery twice with this physician. I really trusted him. I'd been through the infertility with him. And also the hospital delivered approximately 5,000 babies a year. And what that means is then there's also a big critical infrastructure for emergencies and for things to go wrong from a GYN perspective. So we agreed I was not going to be transferred into downtown Seattle. I was going to stay right where I was. I was in the perfect place. So I signed the paperwork for the surgery. It was going to be the next morning. First thing, it would be two OBGYN physicians to go in to repair. We don't know what. And I had my, my dinner at the hospital. You get your dinner at 4.30. <laughs> and after dinner, I'm just trying to relax. I'm by myself. I'm just trying to visualize a great outcome the next day with the surgery. And the moment I try and visualize a great outcome, I pop right out of my body. I completely leave my body. And I'm looking back down at myself in the hospital bed thinking, oh my gosh, she looks just at death's door. She is whiter than the sheets and she's really in a bad way. And then I'm like, why am I referring to myself in the third person? That's interesting. And I knew it was me, but I knew that was Wendy Rose Williams, an aspect of me. I knew it was a part of me. And I knew I was back in pure soul form. And I'm just seeing so much light above me. That was much more interesting than this body in the bed. So I remember making the decision, ah, she's fine. (laughs) And just felt, you know, not not very concerned about that body. I wanted to follow the white light because I can see so much of it coming down from above through through the ceiling of the hospital room. So I start traveling up toward that in my pure soul form and I'm kind of like a white beach ball but I'm super deflated Um, I think from just all that all that blood loss and being in such tough shape even my soul was just like just like out of out of gas and I start going up to the light and I burst out of the the ceiling of not only my room but of the hospital itself and now it's becoming like a google earth view because I'm going further and further away and I can see the hospital grounds and I can see the neighborhood and then I can see my town and like the state and the country and it's like further and further away or like like an astronaut would view. And it's just beautiful, but I'm following the light. I'm like looking up at that light. And then I stopped myself for a second because it's like, oh my goodness, I hope I don't have to walk through that long tunnel I knew very little about NDEs at the time again it was 1997 so it was a different different era we've got a lot more information available now via you know wonderful podcasts like yours and through documentaries on TV like surviving death and you know so many things but I didn't want to walk through the tunnel cuz I didn't I didn't think I could make it I just didn't think I had enough energy so the second I think oh please don't make me walk through that long tunnel to get home to the light This pristine escalator comes in for me. So much light coming up all around it. It's just gorgeous. It's so clean. It's just for me. And I plop my deflated little self on it. And I remember like hanging on like the handrail of it and just going up and up and up. It's such relief to like get this ride home. And I think this point was important because it was like an instant manifestation The moment I think, don't make me walk through the tunnel, the the escalator appears. And I believe we're very powerful with our manifestations and that the world is changed and Earth's raised her vibration and that we can manifest much more quickly. So we've got to be very careful to be in our most positive frame of mind as much as we can, because that's what we're then going to attract and just, just create. So I'm going up and up and up on this escalator. The moment I get to the top of it, I'm almost blinded by this gorgeous white light of home. And it's just it's just like timeless and spaceless. It just goes on forever. But I can't really see or explore, even though I want to go running forward to just be at home and feel that relief and that magic. Because I'm met by this group of about 20 beings right at the top of the escalator. They stop me. And those same four or five angels are there. This time I recognize Archangel Michael's voice when he speaks to me. And that's who'd spoken to me in my bathroom. I had the the privilege of that and hearing his voice so clearly. And there were also uh, soul family members there. I recognized all four of my grandparents were right up at the front, which was super cool because I really knew my mom's parents well. We'd lived with them. So I knew them very well but my dad's parents, I never met. They died before I was born. So, but yet soul level recognition, I knew exactly who they were, even though everyone looked just the same, except the angels were much larger and had much more form, but everyone else was like this perfect looking beach ball um, with just like these sparks of energy all through it. So lively And Archangel Michael, again, was the spokesperson. And what he said was, welcome home, Wendy. You made it. We're so glad you're here. Uh, You've done nothing wrong. You're welcome to stay. And I could just feel my, my whole essence just going like, ah, you know, just the relief of that. And I just felt so happy. And then he continues. But if you're going to choose to go back, you're going to need to make that choice quickly. So let me tell you what what I can share with you, so you can make the best decision for yourself. And he told me three things. He told me if you choose to go back, that I would have a successful surgery the next day, and I would fully regain my health. So this was wonderful news because, of course, I'm I'm really worried. I'm very anxious about how this is going to go. And the second thing he says is, uh, your baby will be born. Healthy again, this is huge, Uh, particularly as I said, having gone through blood transfusions and morphine, and now I'm going to have surgery. I don't know yet that it's going to be on my uterus. I'm glad I didn't know that. And the third thing he shares with me, because I'm just like so relieved and so happy with this news. The third thing he shares with me if you choose to go back, your life will be very difficult likely for many years because you're not on your life path you're not living your purpose so i am not happy to hear this i'm just like i like take a sharp breath in it's like i could like feel myself putting my hands on my heart i'm like oh my goodness what what am i not doing please tell me what's my purpose what should i be doing what am i missing what am i supposed to stop doing <laughs> i'm supposed to start doing and he just gently shakes his head. And I know he's not going to tell me anything more. So, Jake, you know, picture yourself, you're with you're with like 20, 20 beings of light. You're in a group. You're thinking, oh, come on, someone's got to give. So there's got to be some chatty Kathy in the group. So I'm looking around at all of them. And no one's going to tell me because they're they're just all there shaking their heads. And I'm like, oh my goodness, no one's going to tell me. I'm starting to like deflate more. So they started being really funny, I think to get me to feel better, and they started like locking their lips and throwing the key away, or they'd put like duct tape over their mouth. They started being really silly. So I kind of relaxed and I'm like, "Okay, I get it. You're not supposed to tell me. This is something I need to learn for myself because I'm I'm 36. I you know, I still have time to understand and discover and move into what my own life path is. Because sometimes if we're told too much, it just it just destroys the, the process of what we're supposed to what we're supposed to go through. So Michael now asked me the question, what do you want to do? What do you choose? And the minute he asked me the question, all I can see is my toddler's face. And it's not like normal size, it's like IMAX theater. It's like, you know, 70 foot
0: tall. It's like filling my whole
2: world. All I can see is my my gorgeous um, little girl Tara and I know I'm gonna have another healthy baby and I'm gonna regain my health. So I just try and you know, bring up my courage that I'm gonna figure out, I'm gonna figure out the path and I'm gonna get through whatever is difficult, even if it's for years. So I tell Archangel Michael, I wanna go back. Um, you know, Kind of put put, put me in coach, <laughs> I'm ready to play. And I left out a part. When I first got to the top of the escalator, they all gave me this huge group hug. And that was part of what made me want to stay at home when I first arrived. Because to feel that unconditional love, we don't feel that very often. Uh, Love is typically conditional. So I think it's vital that we learn how to give that to ourselves and just treat ourselves as our own best friend and really, really be very, very good to ourselves, as well as to those around us to try and open our hearts and open up our field so that we're giving unconditional love, not trying to change people. It's not about, well, you know, I'll say I love you uh, to this person, but only if they say it first, or, you know, only if they do X, Y, Z. Hello, that's, un- that's conditional. So I'd gotten that one big hug and felt that unconditional love. So now that I'm saying I'm ready to go back, the whole group gives me another huge hug. That time, what I recognized it as, they were downloading energy to me. And I'm not sure I would have made it through the, the surgery and, and the recovery otherwise. Uh, because I just was, like I said, I was just like flatter than a pancake um, from all the blood loss. So uh, when I say, you know, put put, put me back in, They just give me this hug. And then everyone like turns into like a cheerleader and they're like, you can do it, you know, get back in there. We'll, you know, we'll be rooting for you. And I felt more like I had a team. I felt more like I had a connection than I'd ever felt before. And I just turned and went back down the escalator and I'm like looking over my shoulder and everyone's like waving and cheering for me. And it just really was amazing. And I just very easily just like floated back down. I saw my body and I just like plopped back into my body. It was just that simple. And there was, as I said, no one in the hospital room with me, no one observed it. It was just a very personal, very beautiful, uplifting experience that just gave me the courage that everything was going to be okay um, with the surgery um, the next day. So I did have a successful surgery. What they found, as I mentioned, was it was the aorta at the top of the uterus had ruptured. They must have used some sort of um, imaging guidance during the surgery because the physician told me, of course, 10 weeks pregnancy now turns out to be a blessing because, of course, the the fetus is this tiny, tiny little, little peanut. And he said she was very, very low um, in the uterus. So they just made sure to stay away from her. And fortunately, we didn't know it was a her, (laughs) Um, my youngest daughter, and just did that surgery at the top of the uterus and just repaired everything surgically. And I was then in the hospital for about another three days and went home to six weeks of strict uh, bed rest. Because um, it was it was a serious it was a serious um, instance and in surgery and I'd lost so much blood they estimated I'd lost three quarters of my blood supply and they had not been able to uh, transfuse that much back in so went home feeling you know beyond fortunate to have gotten through this and we were very lucky we had our live-in nanny who who took care of our daughter while my husband and I were at work because she's now taking care of me too. <laughs> and just just, um, helping me. I go back to work. Um, well, I should probably stop at that time. So or at this point, so questions?
0: Yeah, that is absolutely fascinating. I, um, if, if you're new to hearing um, uh, NDE accounts, it's a common theme that um, more often than not, uh, when they go to that next plane of existence, um, they see themselves and other entities as, uh, balls of light. That was always very fascinating to me, and um, that to me, I mean, obviously uh, sounds like consciousness or our spirit or or whatever you may choose to call it. Um, Another fascinating thing, or well, I guess this is more of a question. Do you believe that any of those um, beings up there of the 20, do you think uh, any of those were your spirit guides? Or do you think yes, that they possibly all could was, have been? I think it
2: was soul family, meaning souls that I've incarnated with many times, meaning, for instance, I recognized my four grandparents. Um, yes, there certainly could have been guides there. And I have since learned that my maternal grandmother, um, who we called Nan, um, I've since learned she is one of my guides. So I think soul family members can Over time, also, as they do their work and as they ascend and as they raise their vibration, they might become a guide for us. So we can have an ancestor can be one of our guides. So a relative can be a guide.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. A friend of mine, um, Diana, uh, she's a uh, psychic medium. She she felt that I had two with me and. um, I felt very strongly that one of them was my grandfather, I'm almost certain to be. It's yes. Strange, but,
2: uh, yes. And absolutely.
0: then and, and then lastly, before we move on, um is you mentioned uh the feeling of unconditional love. And again, this is another common theme um in NDEs, uh when when they go on to the next uh plane of existence, uh that they are surrounded by essentially just little balls of light that feel familiar, that they feel like they've always known. Sometimes they're not sure exactly how they know them, but um, just being washed over with unconditional love. And um, I'm the type of person who I'll, I'll make my friends un- wildly uncomfortable anytime I see them. Big hug, <laughs> love, you, lo- love you, buddy type stuff. Oh,
2: that that's, well, that's lovely. I wish more people did that because a lot of people you know, can just be too in their head and like too, too restricted. So <laughs> there you go. Let's, let's make people uncomfortable by letting them know how much we love them and care about them.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's something that we're not doing a good enough job of really. I mean, uh, that's, you know, I have a lot of uh, aspirations in life, but, but the biggest one is just to spread love and kindness and, um and that's what you've been doing. Uh, well, here, I guess we'll, we'll finish this story. I, I, I'm really excited to talk about your uh, your healing work, but um, go on. I'm sorry. I'll...
2: Oh, absolutely. So what happened next was I'm home, I'm recovering for the six weeks. I then go back to work. I go and return to a job I love. i have been there about three years, and everyone is just, you know, welcoming me back. They're like, Wendy, what happened? How are you? We're so glad to have you back. We heard you had a medical emergency. Are you Okay. And I mean, this is just not like not hallway conversation. I just didn't know how to process it. Unfortunately, I did not know about the International Association for Near Death Studies. I didn't know about IONS. And the irony of that, Jake, here I live in Seattle, the oldest chapter of IONS. It's 40 years old in Seattle and so well established. And I just didn't know about it. And I also, I didn't choose to talk with medical professionals about what happened. I didn't think it was going to fit anyone's frame of reference. I felt very alone with the experience. I didn't really unpack it for about 20 years. I did not speak publicly about it. I tried to share a little bit of it with my husband, of course, but the poor man, he was just so um, understandably freaked out by the whole that had happened he he was i think more disturbed by it than i was because you know imagine seeing your wife go through this your pregnant wife go through this and he didn't get to have the uplifting experience that i did as part of it so it just you know that wasn't the right place to share it either so i'm back at work and i'm there for about uh, six weeks and it's now november of 1997 And I have no idea that the economy is really, really changing and about um, getting ready to enter a very deep dive. So I get called into my boss's office on a Friday afternoon. I don't think a thing about it. My boss and I get along great. I think he just wants to chat about what we're going to do on the weekend or tell me something he wants me to do next week. I don't think anything about it. Until I walk in his office and I see his face and his energy, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I see human resources sitting at the table in his office with my personnel file in front of her. I know what this is. It's the Friday afternoon layoff. So I am devastated by this layoff because I've just gotten back to work. I'm just trying to get you know, back on my feet health-wise, financially, and also being laid off meant I just lost my health insurance for the entire family because I carried the health insurance and I'm pregnant. So how are we going to pay for me to deliver? So this is not a happy moment. (laughs) Even though my employer does their very best to, you know, be very humane and, you know, here's your severance package. Of course, you're going to have great references Go file for unemployment, Wendy. You know, let us know anything we can do to help you. Um but you know, I'm now visibly pregnant. Do not want to be marching out there um, interviewing, but of course, that's what I need to do. Um and I'm still not, I'm not feeling well. I'm still pretty, pretty, I've not processed everything that's happened. Um so, That's on a Friday afternoon, I go home and, and, you know, take a deep breath and tell my family what's going on and do file for unemployment right away. And we just start like, okay, we got to tighten our belt. We got to figure out how can we, uh, you know, cut our expenses, uh, you know, use the little bit of savings we've got left. But it was important to understand too, because we had our second baby on the way and my job had been going great. And my husband owned his own software company. Um, With four partners, they had 100 employees. I mean, everything had been going great for us. We'd purchased a new larger home because of the new baby coming. We're heavily mortgaged. We just purchased a new minivan, again, because of new baby coming. You know, want to be able to get those two car seats in and out with the two (laughs) two sliding doors. So heavily, heavily mortgaged. So not, not nice timing. Uh, One week later to the day, my husband comes home from work hours late, and he had not called. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is really odd. I hope, you know, big traffic jam, you know, what's going on? The minute he walks in the door, it's about eight o'clock at night. The minute he walks in the door, I can see, like, crushing weight on him. I've never seen him, you know, it's one of the most... um, Hardest moments I've I've seen him in, and he says, um, "I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? You know, you're so late. <laughs> dinner, dinner stole still in the oven. Um, are you okay? What's going on?" And he said, "I have something really hard to tell you, Wendy. You need to sit down." So what he let me know was his software company had tanked incredibly quickly. They had just laid off almost everyone in the company. Uh, just the five partners were left with chaos. And they are trying to um, scramble of how do we take care of all these people we've laid off? How do we land on our feet? Can we get this company sold? And how do we resolve our, they had big space. I mean, this is back in the day when you still had, you know, big offices. They had a big office in Bellevue, Washington with a lease on it. And now suddenly, you know, how do we resolve that? So we're, we're in true financial chaos at this moment So I take a breath and, you know, I manage to say to him, I'm so sorry, because it's one thing to be laid off, but to lose your own company, that's a different level of, of hurt to it. And so I'm trying to reassure him. It's like, you know, we'll figure it out. We're resilient people. We've got great educations and networks and backgrounds. We'll figure it out. Just, you know, take take a breath for the weekend and then file for unemployment on Monday. And at least we'll have, you know, unemployment coming in for both of us. And he just shakes his head and says, Wendy, there's no unemployment for me. I'm self-employed. And I didn't know that. I had never been self-employed. So now I'm like more in a free fall. And I'm like, OK, well, you know, so you'll be looking for a job, you know, right away. You're going to land on your feet. It's like, no, I'm not going to be looking for a job, Wendy. I just went to Payless Paydays because I've got to do programming and fulfill these contracts that we've already sold or we're going to lose our reputation and I'm going to lose my professional reputation. So I'm not happy with any of this information or decisions. It's not that it's just that it's tough news. It's just it made me feel like we weren't really partnered very well because I didn't know. These basics about his company. And I mean, I'd asked every day, and you know, was always interested. So I felt pretty, um, pretty shut out. So this was not, this was not good from a, a marital uh, harmony standpoint. So fast forward a little bit here. So this is November of 97. Our daughter was born healthy um, on March 13th, 1998, one of 13 babies born um, in the same hospital on the same day on Friday, March 13th, which forever became her lucky number that she always wore in sports. And that same exact weekend, I think planetary astrology must have shifted Because he went back to work. He was able to get his company sold four months later and was able to go back to work the exact Monday after she's born. So everything shifts again in a weekend. And three months later, I gave myself a maternity leave, an unpaid maternity leave. And three months later, I went back to work. And we were saved in the interim. Uh, We tried to negotiate with lenders. Things did not go well. Uh, We were saved by a bank of mom. And my my mother uh, very kindly stepped to the plate and just loaned us our shortfall uh, each month. So we were able to keep our house because the bank was threatening to foreclose and the lender was threatening to take our um, our van away. And those would have been really deep, deep financial losses. So my mother um, kindly helped us with the shortfall each month. Um, and that's, that's what happened. Um, so, boy, those angels were right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful story. I, uh, and thank God everything was, was okay with your daughter and, and you guys bounced back. And it sounded like a, a really troubling time. So glad everything worked out. Um,
2: it it, it, it did and it didn't. It didn't work out in the way I hoped for and expected. And I had to go through another, we all had to go through another big change because literally the day I came home um, with our daughter and we were able to get health insurance too, even though neither of us working, again, I heard Archangel Michael in the most interesting place. I'm sitting in the pediatrician's office um, and I heard him clearly say, you know how you're trying to keep your little one busy until you get called in. You're like, oh, please call my name soon. This (laughs) child is just so busy. And I heard Michael say, look, look. And I'm like, looking around, like, okay, Tara's fine. I'm looking at all the other kids, make sure no one's like falling or, you know, grabbing a lamp by the cord or, you know, something. And what he was referring to, there was this little side table, Jake, in the pediatrician's office, and there was a lamp over it. And I could see it had one brochure in a little stand. And I'm like, oh, you want me to get, he's saying, look, look at that brochure. So I ran over and got like my daughter under my arm, and I run over and grab it and like just shove it in the diaper bag to read it home. And it was for WIC. And I didn't know what WIC was, which is Women, Infants, and Children. And it was a form of uh, social service. It was a form of Medicaid specifically for pregnant women. And it provided health insurance for me. So that was a really big deal. So we were able to get were able to get the hospital stay via that. And it also provided some healthy food. It was the old uh, food stamps program. Um, so it provided some food for us too, at a, at a time when we did appreciate and need it. So I'm now home. Um, I, I was approved for a very short stay. It was in the era when they were doing what they call now drive-through deliveries. So you get only 24 hours from when you start to labor until you're discharged, you know, certainly get a longer stay if you need it. But I'm like, home so grateful but it was like so quick and I'm I'm nursing my newborn at home she's literally a less than a day old and again I heard Michael clear his day and he said your contract with your husband is complete I almost dropped the baby because I was so shocked I was so angry. I was so frustrated. I did take a moment to verify. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he said, your marriage is meant to end. Your marriage is ending. And I'm like holding a one day old going, what the heck? Because I didn't understand at the time what soul contracts were. Yes, we had a choice to keep on going um, beyond, beyond the soul contract, which we did do. Um, until our daughters were six and eight, but I'll be honest, it was really hard um, to continue. And you know, we we tried to be loving, respectful. Um, he didn't want to do counseling. Um, we tried. I tried to go to various types of counseling, and I just didn't have you know someone who wanted to do that with me either—traditional marriage counseling, or family counseling, or financial counseling. Just didn't want to do that. So, you know, what can you do other than go for counseling yourself, which is always an option um, and important to remember. So we did divorce um, as as peacefully and kindly as we could, when, as I said, our daughters were now full-time in school. And I, I chose the time because uh, I thought this is the best time to be able to do this. And we did shared 50-50 uh, residential custody. And again, we were very fortunate. My mom, by that point, had fully retired. She was living in Boston. We were living in Seattle, so you know, across the country. I'm the only child; the only grandchildren. And she chose to uh, move out to Seattle um, to be near all of us and to help with the kids. And that was huge. And she was just this beautiful um, team grandmom, meaning independent agent. If my uh, former husband couldn't, you know, pick the kids up. And it was his time, you know, it was his turn, it was his schedule. She would just do it for him, or she would do it for me. She was just doing it for the kids and the family. You know, there's no there's no favoritism, and that was that was a big deal. Um, and I think my mom really enjoyed it too, because she'd been a full time working mother when when I was growing up, so she'd never gotten to do all the kids' sports, and she she really broadened and opened up their lives and let us both work full time. Um, you know, from the from the two households, so. That's what that's what happened. Um, it wasn't what I thought would happen um, or planned or intended, but roll the clock forward again now, about uh six more years after the divorce, um I've rebuilt my life. We've both rebuilt our lives in the you know best possible ways. Everything's in a good steady state. Our daughters are now 12 and 14. And I'm thinking, gosh, what's next? I mean, everything's going great. And I realized I was finally ready to meet a great guy. Um, I, you know, hadn't known uh, <laughs> when and if I was going to move forward again after that, after that marriage and divorce. But everything was just going so well that um, that's what I was ready for. That's what led to the spiritual awakening in the funniest way possible. Because I can't figure out. I'm like, okay, where do you meet a great guy? I'm not meeting anybody through you know, church or through friends of friends. I mean, certainly I'm not going to go up to the bars. And it's like, I haven't been on a date in 25 years. So how do you do this? So I asked my younger girlfriends who were actively dating. I'm like, how do you meet? How do you meet nice guys? And they're like, oh, Wendy, you just need to go on Match.com. And I'm like, Who? Because I have no idea that there's dating apps. So this would have been in 2010. And I don't have a clue that you know that's how people are now starting to meet. So girlfriends helped me put together a profile, and I for in the beginning I had my geography really really restricted because you know life life was pretty busy and I wanted to meet someone super close to home. Um, and the minute I broadened it a bit, Jake and I moved it to ten miles from you know my home or work address. The minute I did that, I saw this profile come up on Match. And I'm like, I know this man, I know him, I know him. And I was reading through the profile and the profile, the very last sentence of it said, any woman on a spiritual path, we really need to meet any woman interested in an LBL, please contact me now. And I'm like, LBL, LBL, what is that? So I'm Googling it because I want to make sure it's not some weird drug reference. And I find immediately the right the right um, context, which is life between lives. It's Dr. Michael Newton's journey of souls. It's past life regression. It's spiritual awakening. It's life between lives. And this match was getting ready to go for his second LBL. So he'd clearly been on the spiritual path. So I wrote back to him and I was very honest and said, I can't say that I'm on a spiritual path, but are you talking about Life Between Lives? Are you talking about Journey of Souls by Dr. Newton? Because I just ordered the book because that's where your profile led me. And I'm waiting for it to come from the library. This is back before the days of Kindle Instant (laughs) Gratification. And we then... We're talking and talking, you know, email, phone. We're trying to figure out where we know each other from because he's having the same reaction to me. He's like, I know you. So we're playing the game of where have you lived and, you know, where have you worked and where have you traveled and what professional associations have you been? We're like trying to figure out. We thought it was like some like casual thing where like, you know, we met but didn't quite meet like at a professional meeting or like at a party. We're trying to figure it out. It takes us three me- three weeks to sync schedules and meet, which was perfect, because by then I'd received Journey of Souls and had just devoured it. The minute, I wasn't even through chapter one, and it's like I just found the answer book that I didn't know I was looking for, because spirituality really hadn't been on my radar. And it just, it just like opened something in me in such a major way through match.com, which I think is hysterical. So we meet for lunch. It's a weekday. um, And I I got there first to the restaurant. I'm sitting in the, the entryway and he walked in and I thought there was an earthquake going on. Seattle does get some earthquakes. Hello, West Coast. And I'm like, I feel like ripples. I feel like the earth moving. And again, as he walked in, I'm like, I know him. I know him. I know him. And I couldn't stand up. I just was like frozen sitting on that little bench. And he came right over to me and he dropped down on one knee to like look right into my eyes and look into my face. And he said, I know you. So, you know, this conversation is continuing and he could see, I'm like, I can't move. And he kind of like, you know, helped me up by one, by one one arm. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I can move. You know, let, let's, we walked into the restaurant. We were there for three hours. Uh, it just would have been there longer, but it was a weekday, it was a work day. And it was soul level recognition. And what we realized during lunch at that first meeting was we'd never met in this lifetime But he had the soul contract. I believe we can make agreements with people before we incarnate that we're going to do certain things together once we're on earth. He had the soul contract to wake me up spiritually. So that's what this whole uh, adventure was that was going to begin with him. And that's why he introduced me to journey of souls and passive regression and life between lives. So that's what was going on. We then, over the next eight years, um, would find 21 shared lives together. I have never found so many lives with one person. I also would learn. Um, I would. I would wake up in so many ways. I would uh, be inspired to become a past life regressionist because I just had to sort this all out. And after I'd been for my first. Uh, four sessions over a three-year period of past life regressions and life between lives. I'm like, oh my gosh, this has changed my life so positively, so immensely. I don't even recognize my life anymore. I've got to do this for other people and help them with it. I also became the certified spiritual teacher and the Reiki master energy healer. And I was able to start to learn and to be able to understand what soul contracts were. So I understood now the soul contract with my former husband. And it was for us to have a long-term marriage that we would both grow from um, wonderfully and to have beautiful children together. And Archangel Michael showed me that contract and he showed me children, plural. The R-E-N was like triple underlined, I'm like, that's why you said to me, the moment I'm holding my second child, children, that's why you said to me, your contract with your husband's complete. And it's not meant, you know, it's not that we didn't we didn't love each other, but there also were a lot of challenges and a lot of difficulties. And we just worked through what we needed to work through and then parted as peacefully as we could. And I'm proud of us. I think we co-parented really well together from when they were six and eight. They're now 24 and 26. And the youngest just earned her engineering degree. And our oldest is in her final year, her fourth year of veterinary college. So she's going to be um, a vet and, and able to help the animals. So that's how that, that rolled out. But it it sure had some wild ride with that soulmate who uh, woke me up i uh, was highest highs lowest lows
0: wow that's incredible yeah i often wonder you you hear that uh we thrown around a lot uh soulmate but that sounds like the, the the purest version of it really that i've ever heard are you guys still together today
2: no um no um we did have a another contract. The next contract was for that um, boyfriend who then became um, the subject in my first book. Um, He's the client in Regression Healing One, um, the Huntsman, the Lord High Mayor, and the World War II soldier. Uh, It's his session. Uh, But what, what happened was the next soul contract I had with him was for him to break my heart repeatedly until I stood in my power fully without abusing it. That is a brilliant contract, but it's very painful. Obviously no one wants to have their heart broken repeatedly, but what that, why that contract was so brilliant for me. I worked with a spiritual numerologist and I learned specifically what my karma was for because I wanted to know the antidotes because I wanted to do right. I wanted to clean it up. I wanted to learn the lessons. I wanted to ask forgiveness where it was meant to happen. I had a lot of karma as a heartbreaker. So therefore, I contracted with someone who was going to break my heart repeatedly. So I would get to experience that again and again and again with him. Um, Again, did not enjoy that experience. Um, And also for him to, to really encourage me to step into my power fully without abusing it. Because what I was doing, Jake, because I had multiple counts of karma having abused my power. Um, I had done that multiple times. So what I was doing in this lifetime, I sensed that at some level. So I was playing it small. I was not doing what I was meant to be doing. Remember, I wasn't on my life path. I wasn't serving. I wasn't stepping out. I was hiding. I was just, just really living life under a rock. Uh, in very very many ways playing it really really small and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing to serve humanity so he just kept pushing me and encouraging me it's like wendy you need to be writing books you're supposed to be publishing you know we're supposed to be speaking in the media together but i saw the contract with that former boyfriend i saw the contract the the next contract i saw was for us to have uh, gotten married and to have had a very happy marriage together later in life because when we first met i was 49 he was 57 Uh, i'd had the one uh, marriage um, and he'd had two previous marriages but um, we had some astrology that just didn't line up that didn't fit with that contract and we didn't know he was moving into his second saturn return uh, and he just wanted to be free. He wanted to travel the world. Uh, yes, he cared about me, but he also cared about, shall we say, a lot of other women. Uh, and that didn't work for me. Um, it it just—I couldn't. It was an irreconcilable difference. Um, monogamy. We just couldn't work it out. Um, so what we did was we um, we broke up. He he ended the relationship, which absolutely broke my heart open and was the biggest service in favor to me, but it sure didn't feel like it at the time. Um, And But it it allowed the next things to go on. And then what happened over time was, so I I didn't want to see this man again. I mean, I was just done. I was so heartbroken. um, And he just, um, like I said, we just, we couldn't work it out. But yet there was so much... Uh, there was so much good in it and there was so much camaraderie we finished each other's sentences there was so much good shared past life history but there was so much karma too that we just kept tripping over the past life energy because we couldn't clear it fast enough Uh, even though I was doing sessions with healers to work on it and he was too uh, we just we just couldn't clear it quickly enough but what happened Jake so I'm thinking okay you know done just need to you know Just close it out, give each other closure, just say goodbye, say thank you, let it go, move on. But that's not what was supposed to happen. So we just then start running into each other to the point it was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we just keep meeting each other in random places. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I want people to understand if that ever happens to you, pay attention to it. Whether you want to see this person or not, if you have unfinished business with someone and keep running into them, do the work, meditate, ask your guides, figure out what's going on and finish it, clear clear it up in a peaceful way. Um, So that's what we needed to do. So we, to my great surprise, uh, were able to move back into being friends. I've never been able to um, do that um, before. Um, with a former lover, um, where there was just such intensity to it. But we were able to accomplish that, very new boundaries, uh, very careful boundaries. And we became spiritual seekers together and just kept trying to work through the past lives, kept trying to lift each other up. I helped him get published because he didn't know how to get his first book published. And he then became my client because I knew he had significant physical pain. He'd been a professional athlete. He'd broken his neck, so yes, it was surgically repaired, but still had a lot of pain. So by then, I was past life regressionist. So beautiful turning of the wheel. He had found my first past life regressionist for me after introducing me to Journey of Souls and past life regression and life between lives, and he actually drove me to my first sessions because this was back in the day when they were being done in person, um, and now um, you know can be done done via Zoom or Skype. So it's it's a whole new it's a whole new day. So he had driven me to my first sessions and now for me to do a session for him. And he had a profound session, which I wrote about in Regression Healing One, because not only did he have detail of three past lives, but more, and he connected with his higher self powerfully, his own soul the first time, and then was able to keep that connection going. He also was able to connect with his guides and he'd not been able to connect with his guides before. So that was a really, really big deal. And we did get to the lifetime of origin because there's a concept called lifetime of origin in past life regression. And if you have a fear or a phobia, um, just, you know, an anxiety, just like a real worry, that just doesn't make sense. And you can't think of anything in this lifetime that would cause that, you know, the fear of heights, the fear of water, fear of intimacy, fear of success, fear of dogs, snakes, spiders, you know, you name it, (laughs) whatever, whatever um, it might, in closed spaces, you know, whatever it might be, it very likely has a past life origin. So we can get to that lifetime of origin, and then we can release it. And you can live a much fuller, happier life now, when you're not worried about, oh my gosh, you know, I can't, I can't go hiking because there might be elevation that I don't know about, or I'll have to take the stairs because I can't possibly get in an elevator because it's too enclosed for me. You know, these things can be really life limiting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that uh, we got to this point. Um, If anybody did want to do past life regression with you to get a session with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Would it be through your website?
2: Yes, absolutely. So listeners are welcome to contact me via my website, which is my full name, wendyrosewilliams.com. And you'll see a contact me uh, tab, the final tab, Uh, you know, please visit the homepage and the frequently asked questions page and anything else that, you know, catches your eye. And then go to the contact me tab. Um, And there you can request a complimentary 15-minute phone appointment with me. Be happy to talk with people and just understand more of what's going on in their life. See if I might be of service to them. Or perhaps I can refer them to someone else um, or other resources. uh, Because it's it's just really important that we get what we need.
0: If you have a story that you'd like to share, the best way to get a hold of me is on Facebook. My name on Facebook is Aliens, UFOs, one word, Space, Ghost Stories, one word. At Packup, our goal is to get people outside
2: faster and with more confidence, while increasing safety and enjoyment in the outdoors. Forgetting a piece of gear might lead to a funny story later, but it could also be life threatening. Whether you are a complete novice or an experienced multi-sport adventurer, Packup takes the guesswork out of trip preparation by creating unique, customizable packing lists for
0: every trip based on your activities and accommodations. You can collaborate with others on group trips and manage all your gear in your own personalized gear closet. Learn more at
2: getpackup.com. Yeah, I was on
0: your website earlier and um you had It had mentioned uh, who you had studied with uh, when you learned um, regression therapy. And that was, um, uh, I can't remember the doctor's name off the top of my head.
2: Dr. Brian Weiss. I trained in person with Dr. Brian Weiss, was the second person I trained with. He wrote Many Lives, Many Masters, and has published many books, and has this perfect angelic voice um, for just for hypnotherapy. It's wonderful. Very well-respected psychiatrist that was not expecting to do this work um, Dr. Weiss is similar to Dr. Newton in some ways because Dr. Newton was not uh, expecting to do past life regression either, but both had breakthrough patients, had breakthrough clients that took them there. Um, and that was, you know, what was meant to happen for their own, their own opening. I originally trained with Chris Turner in the UK, and Chris is a, a first-degree student of Dolores Cannon. Um, who wrote just some amazing books that we started our our conversation with um, today, Jake, before before the uh, recording started. And Dolores was uh, the amazing woman um, who uh, created the quantum healing hypnotherapy technique. And she not only became involved with past life regressions, but she had a very open, wonderful, broad belief system. Again, clients took her there that started to get into life on other planets, um, quote, aliens. I don't love the word aliens. I've kind of moved to galactic, galactic beings, galactic citizens, galactic family. Alien, that's just a perspective. You know, the, well, well, we look alien to beings from other planets too. <laughs> it just, alien to me, I don't know. It sounds a bit pejorative. It's like a bit like, uh, I don't know. I, the word doesn't quite work for me. Beings yeah, from other little... planets, but I know that's long. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I know. Yeah, with with the name of the podcast, it was just the uh, keywords kind of is sure. kind of where, where my head was at. But, uh...
2: Absolutely, I get it, and that's what people. Yeah, it just makes sense. Um, and again, you, you'd asked about spirit guides. Could an ancestor be a spirit guide? And absolutely, spirit guides. And that's one of the things I love doing for people in session is helping them get connected with their higher self and/or their guides if they're not already. And yes, guides can be aliens. They can be beings from other planets. They can be ancestors, angels, ascended masters, animals. It's it's so funny. It's like all the A's for those for those guides. Um, the first letter of of each of those words. Um, so just just getting in tune with them and getting that that love and support for us. It's a big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd really like to talk about your books a little bit more. But before we do that, do you mind? Um... Sharing uh, your experience that you had um, with abduction,
2: certainly. Um, what happened? This was a very um, unpleasant uh, part of the journey that that I needed to uh, clean up. And what happened was I started working with my first spiritual teacher in uh, 2011. It would have been so. Here I meet that soulmate that wakes me up and having this amazing relationship for that, you know, first year plus. Um, But it just blew the doors open on my Akashic records and all these past lives started coming in. And I started having all these spiritual experiences. And Jake, I couldn't, I couldn't process them fast enough. I couldn't ground them fast enough. They were overwhelming. Some of them were wonderful and amazing. And some of them scared the bejesus out of me. So I went through a big experience um, with a ghost and needing to um, work with that energy. And that's what led me to the first um, spiritual teacher, because I asked two friends and I said, I have a feeling I've got a very personal relationship with this ghost. And they both were nodding and saying, yes, you've got energy. You really need to clean up in that area. So I was referred to this amazing um, teacher named Robin Alexis. So she became my first spiritual teacher. And then what happened is I did my first session with her over the phone. I'm in Seattle. She's living in California. I'm just sitting there with my notebook. You know, I, I'm very new to this. I don't really know what a psychic reading is. I don't really know what an energy healer is. I like barely know what any of the chakras are. But I went to her to see if I'd appropriately done a soul retrieval of this ghost because that was the big shocker was this ghost that I'd been dealing with for 20 plus years turned out to be me in a past life. Did not expect that. Didn't even know that was a thing. Didn't even know that could be possible. So I go to uh, Robin to make sure that I've done the work appropriately, because I'm starting to feel better, but so much other stuff was going on. And she very quickly said, yes, oh my gosh, you did that beautifully. Let me just get your timeline kind of tidied up so that that soul retrieval of that past life is in the right place in your timeline. That was 1600s. Let me just tidy here. So I'm like, okay. And I could just feel like, oh, wow, I feel better. I didn't know what she was doing, but I could feel I was feeling better. We then went to um, a past life in Egypt that needed some real healing from 2000 plus years ago. And then we got to the heart of the matter, um, which was um, she just asked me um, very gently, um, have you ever felt like, have you ever had missing time? Have you ever felt like things were being done to your body without your permission? Have you ever had, you know, very weird, upsetting dreams, Um, you know, perhaps with aliens in them? And i'm I'm like kind of like clenching the phone pretty hard at this point, because I know something's coming. And what she let me know, um, again, you know, very kindly, very respectfully, um she said, well, there's there's actually thousands of hybrid babies in your field. They're not viable life forms because they are the product of rape repeated rapes uh, based on abductions by uh, aliens, and they were just desperate because they could no longer uh, reproduce on their planet. Uh, Their planet doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, they went out elsewhere in the galaxy, um, and they found you, um, and this is what's been going on. And she then asked me, did you have anything untoward happened during your pregnancy. She says, you have children, right? And I'm like, yes, I had a lot of misadventures, shall we say, go on in that area. Years of infertility. And also I had nightmares during the years we were trying to conceive. And I would just hear, I would hear hundreds of babies crying inconsolably. So I thought, well, this is me stressing about not getting pregnant. Well, what I think it actually was, was all those, all those hybrids. So she asked me, um, the spiritual teacher asked me what I wanted to do. I said, can they be helped? Can they be saved? Is there anything that can be done for them? She said, no, um, unfortunately not. I said, well, then please, please, for the love of God, get them off me now and get them up to the light. And I do not agree to whatever is going on. I do not agree to this. And I stood up. Um, you know, I'm like now standing. And I honestly, I'd been clenching the phone so hard, I'd actually gotten under my desk and hid. I was at work and had one of those big return desks. And I actually, and I'm like, nope. I am standing up for myself. And I didn't realize what I was doing was declaring my sovereignty—that I'm going to carry only my own unique energy. And that is what you have to do if you ever feel you are being abducted, taken against your will. I don't care if there's a contract or not, and we'll get to that in a moment, Um, but declare your sovereignty, meaning you have the right to carry only your own energy, and you are not required. Um, And yes, there are some occasional circumstances where people are being taken off planet to be taught beautiful things that they're going to bring back and help others with. They might be receiving healings. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things against your will that hurt you. Like being raped. Um, that is a no. That is a firm no. That is a no go. So I stood up um, and <laughs> declared my sovereignty. And she said, "Oh yeah, you're you're just naturally moving." And she says, "Now I can move this all up to up to the light." Um, so that's what happened. And it took me about. I only told. Um one I told two people about it obviously the teacher knew about that experience but I only shared it um, with two other people um, I shared it with um, a wonderful friend who had referred me to the spiritual teacher because I knew she'd had a very similar experience where she had been a, it's called a forced breeder um, and she had been a forced breeder um, for hybrid for hybrid children also so um It is Mary Magdalene day today. It's a day of love and peace. This is the day that Mary Magdalene was born. Um, I see her as the ascended master. I see her as the 13th apostle. I personally believe she was Yeshua ben Joseph, Jesus's wife. Jewish priests were married in that day, but I believe her identity as his wife was hidden for her own protection and to protect their children because of course he was on the fringes of society and they had, they had a good idea of what might be coming. So for her own protection, I believe that was all hidden, but that instead, um, you know, left her open to being branded some very um, inappropriate things being branded a whore um, and being branded a lot of things that I personally don't believe are true. Um, So just, just, you know, from that that place of peace and love um, that she represents. There's a lot of beautiful art with her, with, with that dove, you know, that dove of peace. Let's just find a way to, uh, you know, send that out through, through the planet, send that out through the galaxy. Um, and just, we do not need to be at war with one another. We've got to come to peace within ourselves. We've got to balance our own energy, our own masculine and feminine energy and then be able to uh, do what you do, Jake, and just shamelessly embarrass your friends and make your friends and family uncomfortable by just expressing uh, how much we care for them and love them, and just you know lay down lay down our swords—they're no longer appropriate. And I believe that the planet, that Earth, has raised her vibration to um, 5D, the fifth spiritual dimension, and we're all going higher. And mankind is welcome to do that with her. You know, many of us have moved to 5D and higher, and that's the place of peace and love and joy. And I know some of you may want to throw the flag down on me at this point and say, well, what are you talking about, Wendy? We've just had Russia uh, invade the Ukraine and look at all the political unrest, look at all the war and poverty and abject issues. Well, those have got to be brought up to that's got to come up to the light to be healed, you know, it's just, I I feel that's what. It's not meant as a political comment, but I believe um, Trump, having been president for four years, that was meant to turn over as many stones as possible, so that, you know, things could not be hidden anymore, and just so many things came to light, just like they did during the um, Nixon administration, so things need to come to the light to be able to heal and, and uplift it, so... Um, I think that's kind of like the bigger picture of of what's going on, and we can be we can be at peace with other other uh, galaxies. We can be at peace with other planets, just like we can be at peace here on Earth. But again, it's all got to come from within.
0: Absolutely, well said. Yeah, if if you guys are uh, are considering becoming more spiritual or just I mean, it, it all starts with love, you know, it, it, you have to be able to love yourself before you can actually put love out, you know, so um, if you guys are interested in the conversation that we had, I encourage you guys to to get a hold of uh, of Wendy uh, through her website, and can you repeat the website one more time? It's,
2: it's my full name, which is wendyrosewilliams.com.
0: Okay, it, can we also go over the books? You you have two published, and you have one on the way. It.
2: Yes, so the first book, Regression Healing One, the Huntsman, the Lord High Mayor, and the World War II Soldier. My books are available on Amazon as well as on Audio Audible. I did record them as audiobooks. And what Regression Healing One is about, um, as I said, it's the healing session for my former boyfriend who woke me up spiritually, and him being able to heal some significant uh, physical and emotional pain. When he started the session, I asked him what his pain was most days on a scale of zero to 10. Uh, You know, you may have been asked this question by like a physical therapist or by a physician. And he said it was as much as as an eight most days. So that is life limiting. And he did not wanna be taking pain relievers. He knew there was a deeper deeper spiritual and emotional issue because he'd been on this path for a decade plus. So we found two lifetimes of origin where he had been really egregiously harmed, uh, tortured, hurt, and he had not forgiven the parties involved. So the moment he saw who the two parties were, and I was was shocked by who, who they were. One is his present day mother, and he has an amazing relationship with his mother, but it's very complex. And I thought, well, that actually makes sense because they evidently had a contract for him to learn forgiveness and to be tortured and then forgive the person, that's high level. So it then got completed in this lifetime in the session with me. And then the other shocker was the identity of the second person in his life. And I'll leave it to you. You need to check out the book. (laughs) to learn who that was. But look for Regression Healing One. Uh, You can simply search my full name um, on Amazon or by Google um, and just find it that way. The second book I published, uh, so that's a nonfiction series, Regression Healing. And the Flow One, Plymouth Plantation, it's historic fiction. It's colonial America, it's 1600s. I wrote it as historic fiction. And this is a good old fashioned, New England ghost story. And that big shocker of, I didn't understand the ghost that started presenting at my home when I was newly married. When my husband and I first married, we lived in Boxford, Massachusetts, north of Boston. And this ghost began presenting almost immediately when we purchased our first house. And she would come into my dreams. And this went on and on and on. That would be like a whole separate um, podcast to, to walk through all the things that happened with that. Because as I said, it led to a really, really powerful soul retrieval. But it took me 20 years. Oh, my goodness. Let me help you do that in a session. <laughs> Rather than stumbling around through it and suffering and struggling like I did with it from when um, you know she first, first presented because I could see this heartbroken young female, and I could tell she was from colonial America because that distinctive clothing of like the little white apron over and the little white kerchief, you know, covering um, her hair. So I knew it was colonial America by that. So that's the second book. And the reason it's historic fiction, uh, it came up through one of my own first past life regressions that I did where I was the client. And I was shocked to go back to uh, that time period and the detail that came through. So I was actually Anne Warren Little and Richard Warren um, was one of the original uh, people who came over on the Mayflower in 1620. So he's a historic figure. And he then sent for his wife, actually his second wife, because his first wife died in childbirth after birthing five girls. And I was one of those five girls. So we came over with my stepmother um, um, because the women and children were sent for in subsequent voyages because it was considered too dangerous in the beginning because, hey, you know, going to a new land and they've got to build homes and they don't know if it's safe and they've got to figure out how to grow crops. And so they didn't take um, most of the wives and children with them. So I remembered vividly going over on that that passage, that very uncomfortable passage. These are not like the cruise ships of today. Let me tell you. We were on a merchant ship you know used to carry cargo, and you know, not not nice, not nice space, not an easy voyage for multiple months. but come on, you know, come over to America, and just everything that happened that lifetime came through in so much detail that I needed to write a book to release all the energy from it. After I wrote the book, because I do not Google, I do not search. When I have information coming through to me psychically, via meditation, via guides, via my own past life regression sessions, as the client, I purposefully, I don't want, I don't want to be influenced. Uh, you know, I don't watch movies on it, I don't read books about it. I just try and write down my own experience in as pure a distilled manner as I can. After it's completely done, then my guide said, okay, now you can Google. And I almost fell off my chair because then I found, oh my gosh, this is a historic figure. And Richard Warren—he actually signed the Mayflower Compact. I mean, that's one of the original documents that founded this country. And the minute I saw um, that, it was on it was on an episode of Who Do You Think You Are with Ashley Judd, where her genealogy was being explored, because her roots traced back to Plymouth Plantation too. And they showed the Mayflower um, Compact. The minute I saw Richard Warren's name, I burst into tears because I'm like, that's my father. So, you know, just the proof came through again and again and again. And I got comfortable with, oh my gosh, this is not collective consciousness that I'm tapping into, which is fine too, you know, if you do that, but this is an actual past life. And I just chose to write the story as historic fiction. About uh, 20 people that I knew at Plymouth came into this life with me again now because I had such major work to do to clean up that ghost energy because it is low vibration. Personal opinion, I believe it's meant to go up to the light. Yes, a ghost has a choice, but that that's a soul without a body. Why, why is that not going to the light? You know, usually something has happened that has really upset them or there's been a very sudden death And they're just looking back at their life. They're overly focused on the life they just had. And they don't look up. They don't look around. They don't listen or they don't find the guides uh, and they don't go up to the light. Or they might feel too ashamed. They might feel too scared to cross over because they think they deserve to go to purgatory or to hell or to be punished. And I'm here to say that is not true. That does not exist other than of your own making. We have always got the keys to our own prison. Unlock the key. And those few um, hellish NDEs, maybe like 15% of them, uh, like Howard Storms and some other peoples, uh, they the minute, it was like me declaring my sovereignty with, with having had the um, abductions and the rapes. The minute you stand up for yourself and say, "I don't deserve this," please help me. You know, the minute you do that and ask for help, you just move up. You just get out of that lower realm, that lower uh, astral plane. So, um, please don't be don't be scared or frightened of dying, of passing over, because you're not going to be punished. Um, don't don't make that prison for yourself. No matter how you may have been. I say this with all due respect. No matter what you may have been taught via religious conditioning or via a cult or whatever you may have been taught, please, you know, find your own truth, um, and just know that you can, you can, um, you know, move up and up and up. The next book, uh, Regression Healing Two, uh, Joe and Marilyn, I'm getting ready to release. I'm waiting for the very last physical proof to come. And I will be releasing it uh, very, very soon, um, within the next couple of weeks or a month or two. Regression Healing 2 continues the series of nonfiction past life regression accounts. And these regression accounts, there's multiple of them with an individual who recalls being Joe DiMaggio. And that just floored me. I was so surprised when that started happening. And Marilyn, there are two very powerful past life regression sessions with a lovely um, young woman um, who lives in Europe, um, and she has profound recall of having been Marilyn Monroe. Um, So that's what Regression Healing 2, Joe and Marilyn, is about.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I'm very excited for that to come out. So you think it could be out in the next, say, two to three weeks? Yes, I'm
2: just, it depends if that proof comes back perfectly, then we'll be able to develop the Kindle version and then I'll be able to push the publish button. So I'll certainly um, keep you in the loop, but just, you know, it's, it's a big book. It's an important book. Um, It's a long book. It's 120,000 words. Oh wow! Um, So it's, it's just making sure that, you know, everything's looking, looking perfect in it. So I've just, I've just had to take my time with it.
0: Okay. Do you think it will be available on on Audible?
2: Yes, that will be my next step. I'm going to publish uh, Regression Healing 2, Joe and Marilyn. and I'm going to publish wide this time, uh, meaning the other books are available only via Amazon, but Regression Healing 2 is going to be via Ingram Spark, so there will be hardcover uh, version available. It will be on Amazon too, but it'll also be in bookstores, libraries that choose to carry it. And yes, I will go in studio and record it because that is a separate... That's a separate um, task, Um, but it's just really important to be able to hear. And a lot of people, you know, just love to, and we don't always have time to read and it can be great. You know, you're in the car, you're doing housework, you're exercising, and it's just great to be able to pop on that, that audible book or that podcast. And just a lot of, a lot of healing energy will come through it because I voice them myself. And I am a voice healer, so um, it's just important to uh, read and, and share them myself, and then make them available on Audible.
0: Well, that makes me really happy. I always love when the author has enough time, because I, I get that not everybody does. I love, I love uh, when they're able to read their own work. So um, yes, it's been, it's been an absolute honor meeting you, and uh, I'm just really glad that we could, or, well, that you could educate myself and our listeners a little bit more about NDEs because. Um, Again, I think it's somewhat all related. I mean, the whole like consciousness thing and spirit spirituality and just kind of afterlife and trying to to get a better idea of of what that is exactly. So I really really appreciate your time.
2: Well, it was my absolute pleasure, uh, Jake, and I so appreciate you making this podcast available um, to to listeners and just helping let that that peace and that love and that joy just really. Be available to people and to help normalize some of these experiences because it can be very isolating. It can be very scary uh, to suddenly have your third eye open and to start having a lot of psychic information come in or to suddenly be realizing, oh my gosh, I'm able to speak with beings on another planet. Do I want to be doing this? Is this a good thing? Or connecting with other dimensions too, because I have a lot of clients were needing help normalizing things that sounded crazy and fanciful to them but were able to make sense of it of oh my gosh yes you actually do have a past life as a fairy or you were a dolphin or you were a mermaid or whatever you know whatever type of it's just it's just consciousness as you said it's just it's just the soul soul wants to learn and progress that we take on all these different experiences and adventures so just being able to uh, kind of normalize it in that manner and know that yes we can be healthy in our body and just we we can have our financial abundance we can have positive relationships and helping people accomplish all that so that's what i'm here for
0: if you guys are enjoying this episode the best way you can help us is to leave us a five star review it really 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 does help Today's outro is The Official by Skits the PLK. If you guys like his stuff, check him out on SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Skits the PLK, baby. You know what
1: it is. You know what it is. Yeah. Huh? The Official. Yeah. It's time to rewind, reverse, and reroute uh, To a spot that makes you want to reach yeah. out And really start to speak out On the topics that fix the optics I'm about uh, And that's knowledge, not the words you kick it for clout uh, I've been born with the visions uh, only given to some Call me the master of vibes, a universal yeah. alum I'll give you the bread, they only give you the crumbs So while you're sharpening knives, homie got sharpened the tongue It's like, we lost connection, bars are low Everybody's in the trap But this cosmic flow yeah. it get you charged yeah. Like stepping to a block of pros If you oppose, nah, you're nothing man. but a crop of crows yeah. Dead, lifeless, like bodies in ices uh, But this mic is life, so I strike like light wind It yeah. turns to lightning like wind yeah. Hit like Tyson if I grip the right pen. The official I call the game. No change in the issues. Align in this Giza. Orion to get you yeah. into the midst of the stars. Like God sent you. Did it hit you? Yeah. You official. Yeah. Forget it won't be an event that you'll get to. Uh-huh. Blessed if you're feeling the best. They can't get you. Yeah. Yes, put love on your breath. We're all special. Quiet the mind. Shh. Try to find the real you. Uh-huh. In due time, stress be up in your rear view. And Only ready. complicated shapes vibrate when ears glued uh-huh. to the healing. You could get words that breathe through. I only kick rhymes that split minds Call me skits cause I flip lines That split minds into pieces I admit my spit shine Like the North Star follow feelings that fit fine With the kindless, these mindless Piranhas get the Hanna. They ain't ready for the prana, sharp as a katana Hotter than the prophesiana Turn the rock to lava, as long as I got my Saliva, I'ma kick a lot of knowledge And wisdom, love and community Power, self-worth, guidance And unity, that's the vibration I chose, no time foolery, let's start a new nation of truth, that sounds cool to me, yeah, the official, I call the game no change in the issues, alignment is geezer, Orion to get you, into the midst of the stars that God sent you, did it hit you, you official, forget it won't be a the You'll get to, blessed if you're feeling the best they can't get you, yes, put love on yeah. your breath, we're all special. read the patterns and the numbers if you want to see the blueprint, the children of Atlantis moving planets with a bull stick, we control the matter of fact, watch me prove this, everything is chords and vibrational movements, underneath the ones and the O's you see the code, and once you see the way that it flows, then you can mold, uh-huh. the way your whole reality looks and what you know to be true, when it comes to the rules that you've been shown, if the pure human is the light that we reflect end up brighter you shine the more that you connect to the true source of wisdom power respect become the light like body transcend to the depths of the universe through the verse you have now been blessed by the prophet. mark it as a cosmic event you're not it. just like 9-11 don't forget all the topics i just try to give you on the strength yeah the official i call the game No change in the issues. Alignment is geezer. Uh Orion to get you. Into the midst of the stars like God sent you. Did it hit you? You official. Forgetting won't be an event that you'll get to. Blessed if you're feeling the best, they can't get you. Yes, put love on your breath. We're all special. We're all special.
0: If you guys enjoyed this episode, check out last week's episode. It was really, really good. I worked really hard on it. If you like this one, you're going to love that one.